Welcome to Home Dad Chat, brought to you by the National At-Home Dad Network. My name is Brock. My name is Danny. And we are here to talk about life as stay-at-home dads. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. No, I don't want much. I even love handmade crafts made of macaroni. Come on now, you should know me. Sometimes I might eat too much. No worry about my weight, got the dad bod rocking on me. Sketches on my feet, cargo shorts look good on me. I'm a dad, that's what I do. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. It's gonna be a doozy. We've just had a board retreat, you know, lots of uh, fun things talked about. And uh, also the countdown for Home Dad Con keeps getting shorter and shorter. So uh, we actually were up in Milwaukee. So uh, that was pretty cool. Did you actually get to go to the hotel and check it out, Danny? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. jealous. I didn't get to do that. Yeah. You and you and Charlie were, were too slow, man. Like Charlie just was two hours late. He was too slow. I was there. I could have been up there, but I was so him coming out of uh, North Dakota, I think was the problem South, with that. South Dakota. Storm. South Does Dakota. it matter? Does it matter? Really? <laughs> I'm Does just it? trying to look out for Can my you, brother. If you were standing in one and then standing in the other, would you know the difference? No, you wouldn't. Have you been to the Dakotas? They're pretty. I feel like one would offer me simple. meth before the other one would. And that would tell me which one I was in. <laughs> or, or you know, the oil workers, because there's been a big boom. Or that, yeah. And if Charlie's listening, I don't think he's going to get offended because he knows we're, you know, his brothers. That's what brothers do. We pull your chain a little. Yeah. But yeah, he I went was... to the hotel and it was amazing. It was exactly, you know, it, it, you always, uh, getting into the hotel, like that first day of the convention uh, has always been for me that moment of where the heck is everything? What am I doing here? And even with a map, it takes me a full day before I'm really like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's down on this floor. That's on that floor. This is over here. Um, it was really good, I think, for all of us to see the space ahead of time or most awesome. of us to see the space ahead of time. And we're having dinner Saturday night of the convention on the um, In a rotating. spaceship? In a spaceship. It's a spaceship, right? It basically is 360 degree <laughs> glass view of the city and everything around it. You can see all the way to the lake and it's just like amazing. It's a great view. How, um, how many times are we going to hear beam me up Scotty when we get in the elevator to go up? <laughs> well, the, the biggest thing for me is it's called the view V uh, V U D E. And I'm every time I'm like, Oh, this is a great view. And the lady's like, yeah, tish, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, but it's amazing. It's really cool. The rooms are good. All of the all of the videos and pictures that we saw of the rooms online matched very well. Um, no surprises there, really, because Hyatt's got a pretty good reputation for that. But it was good to see him in person. Yeah. Um, so if you guys don't have your room yet, you need to yeah get need on to that. do that. I heard that uh, there are like screens throughout the uh, the hotel that are going to actually have like the schedule up on it so mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty cool keith was telling me about that i was like that to me is awesome because there's lots of times where you know you're just hanging out some spot and you're like oh i don't have my program what's going on right now and it's like mm -hmm. you'll be able to find a screen really easily and see what's going on which i think is cool and maybe most important for a few of our listeners or a few of our attendees is there's a starbucks downstairs yeah i heard there's so an in right off the lobby starbucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you walk in that front door and you're like, "Oh, 
What's that smell? <laughs> it's like just <laughs> yeah. right over in the corner, right? And it was, I mean, it's exactly what you'd expect out of a Starbucks, of course. I, I got to ask, though, aside from Starbucks, for those of us who aren't huge Starbucks fans, is there like local roasters anywhere in that area, too, that you saw or heard about? Um, yeah, I didn't look. Okay, that's fine. I'm a Maxwell Health guy, man. I, am I just, a, a I guess I would. I guess I'll have to ask Matt Strain. I'm sure he's already yes. done his due diligence in yes. finding a place. I will say the food, there's a lot of food like exactly what you would expect. There's a lot of brats in every direction, a lot of German food, very nice German restaurants, an entire store devoted to different types of cheese. That was very <laughs> impressive. And you can get a little I, cheese head there. You can get a little oh. um, refrigerator magnet grater, you know, oh my stick goodness. it on your, your fridge. Did, I don't did, think it works, but. Did you guys go to a brat place? I saw like pictures. Did you guys go to brat place yeah. for lunch? Yeah, I thought the brat so. House. It looked like a complete sausage fest. That's why I was curious. It was. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> all, all men, because um, it's just the board. Uh, we were the first, one of the first ones in, but we weren't like the only ones that came in right as it opened. It opened up. They're pulling the sign out to you know put it on the sidewalk. We walk in. We sit down, and like eight other people came in. Uh, and set at the bar and whatever the beer from <laughs> what i understand was very good i don't know but the the brat sampler that i had was amazing they had sauteed mushrooms and onions and of course sauerkraut Ooh. on there as well and it was just amazing oh and the red, roasted red peppers and each one went like right with the because it was four different sausages each one was right what you wanted brats were great I yeah mean, just, I I would say that for the meat lover uh, out there, uh, Milwaukee is going to be like the place for real, like the food. It is. Like, well, I mean, we went to Lakefront on Saturday mm -hmm. and uh, the food there was awesome. I, I, Matt and I both had the uh, Brubano sandwich was like their take on like a Cuban. And that thing was excellent. I was fried like, pickles. With fried yeah, pickles, I had on the it. same yeah. thing. So, oh, did you yeah, too? Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, that was a that was a delicious meal, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to actually going back to their place. And what I loved, honestly, because you 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 come to Wisconsin, you don't expect to be there a lot of salad. There's not a lot of greens. It's just kind of the reality <laughs> the, of it in many places. That's what the cows eat but, to make cheese. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what my food eats. You know, that kind of thing. And yeah. that's a lot of it. And that's fine. But in the um, where we're going to have convention Eve, there are multiple little restaurants in that area like we had last mm. year in Phoenix and yeah. previously in, in uh, Cincy, too. And they had a sushi shop, which was amazing. And they had a place, and I think it was called the Greenhouse, which is just vegetarian. Yeah. You know, even the the brat place had a vegetarian chili and the taco place had a vegetarian burrito, I think, which isn't really hard, I think, to do because, you know, burritos. But it was really impressive to see that much yeah. offering right they had there. a lot of great stuff for sure so the one thing that i found i don't know anybody else really found this but they had a cooler over by the um the place like it was like the restaurant right across from the the main bar and there was like mm -hmm. water and some other things in there but they had a uh, 16 ounce canned uh, craft soda in there and they had a uh, a root beer and man that thing was delicious like hmm. i think it was five dollars for a can but uh, it was great. Nonetheless, worth every penny. It was worth it. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I bought it on Friday night and I drank it during the meeting on Saturday and it was, it was quite tasty. So mm -hmm. 
I, uh, I will probably get me another, another one of those for sure. When, uh, when we go back for uh, convention Eve, the convention Eve space is cool too. Like you could sort of see it through the window, even though the door was locked. It's kind of nice that we're going to have like this space sort of away from all of the other stuff going on mm -hmm. out in the main room. Um, and from what I understand, we also get access to the, uh, the patio area outside of there as well. So, um, that's going to be really nice. See too. That, so yeah. yeah, you can just barely see it through like yeah. the letters <laughs> that are You're in still there. building a lot of it. So that's and all that area is going to be practically brand new by the time the convention will be yeah. around. So, yeah. And yeah, they so had exciting. DJ playing, which I thought was fantastic because it yeah. just kind of gives you something to listen to. Um, the shuffleboard, which I thought Huge was honestly hilarious. Yeah. Right. I'm like, oh, shuffleboard. We're on a, cru We're on a cruise I, ship. <laughs> right. I'm like, I. Yeah, I think it was Sergio I was walking with. He's like, I've never played that. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't either. I think I saw it on a cruise ship once, but, yeah. you know, and then you had uh, bag toss, of course. That was great. Um, really cornhole nice for areas for us. the kids. Did you? Yeah. Cornholes. Just sorry. You know, I don't. I know some people call it bag. Go. Some people call it cornhole. It's all good. Yeah, I'm what still else? learning. Yeah. Uh, but where they have the kids areas. I don't know if yeah. you saw that. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Nice little spot if you were bringing your kids, which, you know, we're probably not, but also they had, I think three or four Nintendo set up on very, very large screens. Oh, I missed like that. Okay. Mario Kart playing and Smash Bros playing. And I'm just oh, like, that was yeah. back there in that. Yeah. That was back there mm -hmm. in that spot. I didn't, I saw just like families back there and little kids. And I was by like, the ice nope. cream. I was like, I'm trying to not be near any of that to the day. <laughs> it's, it was by Dairyland, which is where the ice cream and malts were and the bakery. And I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. this is yeah. marketing right here i never yeah, made it can i have an ice cream yeah. oh my god stop <laughs> i never made it back it's there right so. there yeah. yeah well and they had Good a stuff there was like a a wine shop there too uh i saw that that was over in that area as mm -hmm. well uh that, that was I funny wondered if, if that was a wine shop because i walked by there but i didn't really see anybody working there or, or a sign up necessarily and oh, we were moving yeah. too fast when right? I, it looked like, like when i when i went by there it was it like six to eight people in there and they were serving wine and having a good old time. So yeah, definitely there's a wine bar there nice. as well. So yeah, like lots of just really cool stuff there. So I'm excited to have everybody come in and, and check that out. I see where conversations have already been started about Wednesday activities and Thursday activities. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, think we need to announce the plans for the spot that we're going to that starts with this letter on Wednesday. Right. Well, there's also soon. the spot that I'm going to meet people at that starts with this letter on mm -hmm. Wednesday too. So we'll get. Let's do that. All the listeners are like, "You guys are dorks. What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. Uh, there is a group that is uh, going to converge and head up north of uh, of Milwaukee to go do a tour at Lambeau Field. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's what a couple hours north of. Uh, and then yeah, a it's about hours two hours north. north. Yeah, about two hours north of Milwaukee. Uh, there's a so convenient brewery to stop at on the way home or way back to the hotel. Just saying. Yep. So yeah, so there's a group that's going to go uh, check out Lambeau Field. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool. And I think that's during the day, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. going to be almost all day. Yeah. You know, because it's going to be at least six hours. It just would you know two hours up and hang, hang out for a couple hours and then two hours back. Right. So. so I put that out there just because the thing that I'm looking at going to do um, is I'm looking to go to Wrigley Field because the Cubs are going to be playing the Pirates on Wednesday night. That game, actually, they finally put a timeout for it. So that starts at 640. Um, 
So I don't, that's why I was like, I don't know if anybody from the Lambo, if they'd be able to pull double duty and make it down for, for Wrigley or not, but, um, you never know. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of guys like, um, uh, Marcel who like probably would try to, you know, knock both out Hit both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm going to do this. I'm going to get both. Although if he comes in early enough, honestly, like he could go to the Tuesday night game, uh, it, you know, and then that way he doesn't have to miss out on Lambo on Wednesday. So who knows? We'll mm-hmm. see what he, see what he does. But yeah. So, uh, so Lambo field and, and, and Wrigley field are, uh, are on the docket for Wednesday. Um, and then it sounds like there's also a group that's doing a, a brewery hop, uh, as well that day for anybody that's not that's wanting to go in either direction. Still forming up. I don't know for sure. I only saw it suggested. I don't know how many people have responded, but I, I will say you said brewery and you have yeah. at least half the people to go to the convention. I would think so. Right. Right. It's probably right. going to happen. Well, regardless at one point or another, but the thing with it is, is that honestly, if you haven't bought your ticket yet. You, you you probably should uh, for the main fact being that you can get in these groups and hear what's going on and you know mm-hmm. be be a voice and and that kind of deal uh if you're on the the fence because of finances for coming th- there is a scholarship and i highly recommend that you reach out and um get the there's a link actually that's been dropped uh in the closed group Um, I think it might've been posted in the public page as well. I'm not sure, but, um, if it's something that if you'd like, you know, some help getting there, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out, um, because we want to get as many guys as possible, uh, to the convention and, uh, yeah, we, we pride Mm -hmm. ourselves in making sure that we get as many guys to the convention as possible as many dads as we can. So, um, if that's you. Uh, reach out to me or email us at podcast at home dad con or sorry at home dad.org. I can't even talk. Um, but yeah, so that's, so that's the excitement that's going on. And then tonight we have a special guest coming on. Danny, Danny's been on it with guests. You, you, you've been, you've been just well, bringing this is them it. in. This is it. I don't have anything else scheduled. Just that's okay. Know. Well, that's okay I'm, because I'm both of us are going on vacation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. for a week so there is going to be spring no break. show we get spring one break. we get one week off that's it um so spring break's coming but what yeah so doing for spring break i'm going to mm-hmm. clearwater florida for spring break i'm excited about that nice it'll be our family's first time uh flying together so that's gonna be cool and i am driving down to atlanta by myself road trip oh, yeah Yep, yep. Without the kids, they're on spring break, and Marnie's like, "Yeah, you need to go. I've got some business to do down there, and I'm going to take the opportunity to see everybody that I know or everybody yeah. that I can. I don't have unlimited time, but yeah, I'm driving down. Gotta go St. see Louis. Gotta go see Brett Jay, Landry. Jeremy. I'm hoping. Okay, I'm hoping. I haven't talked to him yet. But. Good deal. All right. Well, we have a special guest coming on. We'll have them on here in just a moment. Give you no teasers other than that this time. So. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with uh, with our special guest. Become a member of the National At-Home Dad Network, an organization focused on providing advocacy, community, education, and support. Connecting with households where dad is the primary caregiver of the children. We do this through our webinar and podcast series, mental health support groups, regular online social events, as well as our annual convention. The National At-Home Dad Network is a 100% volunteer organization. Without the generous support of its members and the community around it, we would not be able to continue the work that we do 
Becoming a member gives you access to past convention speaker presentations, the ability to vote for board members annually, and ensures that the organization's fees and bills are in positive standing. Oh yeah, it should not go unmentioned that there is some cool swag headed your way if you decide to become a member. For only $35 a year, your membership provides you with the exclusive content only we can generate, and you'll be supporting an organization that benefits families all around the country and world. By advocating for them, offering them community, providing education and guidance, and supporting them to grow in their parenthood journey. And one last thing, if you contribute $500 or more, you will become a lifetime member. Not only will you receive everything already mentioned, but also a certificate recognizing your status and an exclusive National At Home Dad Network challenge coin with our trademark logo, Dads Don't Babysit. So what are you waiting for? Become a member today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Like we said, we have a special guest tonight, and we're very excited to talk with him. Uh, I, Danny, are you so? Why don't you introduce him? Because I feel like you know him better than I do. And I so, only know him because I read his book. Well, there That's you go. I'm kind of cheating, but um, Jim Young um, of uh, with with multiple things on your LinkedIn and what that you're famous for and that you do. Um, but the thing that I really was attracted to was the book that you've written. Uh, and we talked about that a little bit earlier, but um, it really kind of surprised me because the the title of it is, it is expansive intimacy. And okay, that I can understand that, but it didn't go the direction that I thought it did. It ended up there, which was wow. another surprise. But <laughs> the main part of it was talking about burnout. And I, I'd like it. I mean, you please to introduce yourself. You have so many things, like I said, so many accolades that we could talk about, but let you do your own introduction, at least on that part. And then I would love to talk about the book with you. Yeah. Thanks guys. Uh, my name is Jim Young. And I think one of my favorite things that I have in my LinkedIn profile that's gotten more comments than any over the years is a phrase that I have on there that says dadding my ass off. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. So I, I, love I always it. love to introduce myself as a dad <laughs> first. Perfect for, for this, this mm -hmm. conversation, right? I'm also a coach. I'm a burnout survivor. I'm an improv comedian. I'm a facilitator. I'm an author, soon to be podcaster. Uh, I'll be launching a podcast on expansive intimacy uh, nice. next month uh, in April. Yeah. And I'm just, uh, I'm excited to have a conversation about all these topics and how they intertwine and uh, maybe find some surprises in there as well. Great. And we're very happy to hear you because of all of those things, especially dadding. Dadding, obviously, is probably for Brock and I the, the biggest parts of our lives. So how many kids do you have and how old are they? Uh, I've got three kids. I've got a 20-year-old who's uh, a sophomore, almost 20, a uh, sophomore at college. They're non-binary. Uh, I've got a son who's just turned 18. He's heading off to college in the fall. And then I've got a daughter who's a freshman in high school. All right. Um, All right. And, and I should say I'm a divorced dad, which uh, is a, a qualifier that I think is relevant for, for many guys. Uh, so I have my kids half the time. And I like to think of I have my kids 100% of the time, half the time, because it's just me and <laughs> yep. them. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. There, there so, are definitely there are definitely dads that listen to us that are that are right there in that uh, in that same uh, part of their life as well. So, yeah, that, I'm sure that uh, they completely understand what you're saying in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, we talk about burnout a lot um, with our uh, members in, in the at-home dad network, and the burnout that we get comes from 
really just the constancy, the relentlessness of being an at-home parent. You know, you just, you never leave work. And it's interesting to me having had a job outside the home for so long and then coming into the being an at-home parent that burnout was even a thing that I would experience. You know, look at it and I think, oh, well, you're you're at home. You don't even have to get dressed. You don't have to you know, you have to leave the house, at least until the kids are like four or five. You know, you could really just insulate and play in the yard. And you'd be fine. And when I think of burnout, I often think of, which I think was kind of your experience, people that are more in the corporate or the business world where they have that just over competitive nature and that need to just, you must be number one. You must do the best of the best. Um, so I'd like it if you'd tell us a little bit about your experience with bon- burnout personally and see yeah, where you came sure. from to get to this point. Yeah. As, as you know, Danny, a lot of my burnout came from my experience in the corporate world and it was around expectations and trying to live up and trying to be this provider and achieve and climb the ladder and all those things. And in my book, I talk about, I have a quibble with the World Health Organization's definition of burnout, which they adopted in 2019, even though it's been around for a lot longer than that. They describe it as a syndrome of unmanaged workplace stress. Mm-hmm. And that's where it breaks down a bit for me. And I get like why, kind of how they arrived there, but it's not just about workplace. Like My burnout was about what was going on at work, but it was also a huge part because I wasn't able to be home with my kids as much. I was trying to fit my life around my work. And so I was burned out in that way. And then I also know stay-at-home parents, moms and dads who've experienced burnout because the the symptoms are exhaustion, but it's really, it's emotional exhaustion is the first symptom of burnout. It's cynicism or, you know, this kind of sense of like, is this ever going to end? Is it ever going to get better? Which when you got little kids, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to (laughs) end. Sometimes when you get teenagers, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to end. Yep. <laughs> and, and then it's a, a lack of a sense of accomplishment. Like, I'm just not doing a good job here. And mm-hmm. so those symptoms exist for stay-at-home parents. They exist for solo entrepreneurs. They exist for people in the corporate world. So, you know, burnout is affecting lots of us. And mine was really this, uh, you know, kind of tangled version of it where it was both personal and professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can completely understand where you're coming from on that. And it, to be honest, like I actually not even heard the word burnout until uh, I went to a convention for uh, dad influencers and uh, a guy that um, Danny and I both know pretty well, uh, Greg Washington, he uh, an at-home dad, he's one of the OGs. And uh, he came up to me during the convention, gave me a big hug and he was just like, I'm really concerned for you and all of the things that you do in the social media world and that you're going to burn out before you actually hit the potential that I know that I see you that you see you have. And I was like, what is that? Like, I don't know what that word is. (laughs) I was like, what what is burnout? Like, what are you talking about? And he was very kind to basically walk me through what he saw me doing and explain to me the fact that I understand you have lots of passion and I understand you have this drive, but I also see that you have two kids and a very devoted wife and you are highly involved in your family and then also highly involved in trying to be like a dadvocate. And like, it's like burning the candle at both ends. And it's like, when you get to the middle, like, that's when it gets snuffed. That's when you get snuffed out. And I was like, 
Okay. Um, and so ever since then, um, I've tried to be diligent about that and I still get called out on it by Danny and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and other people because mm-hmm. I, I tend to be very much a yes, I got this. Oh yeah, I can do that. And I just fill my plate up more and more with stuff. And then yeah. I, I get somebody like Danny who's like, are you really sure you can do that? Like she, he did that to me on Saturday at our board retreat because we were talking about, oh, business cards. And uh, I was telling them about how I could make them all digital business cards, like in an yeah. afternoon. I could do this in like Sign an afternoon. For more, like, right? and he, are you sure? Because you you have this much. He's going. sitting right beside me and he's like, are you sure you can do that? And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Actually, uh-huh. I was like, I can do it while I'm sitting right here. And I did. I I, I pulled it together in like 10 minutes. It wasn't anything because I had a template already set up he, for it. He he did it to prove me wrong. He just I kind of <laughs> did. I kind of yeah. did. Yes. Look yeah. at this, Danny. How's your card? You want to get your card now? <laughs> but still, though, I, I completely under I, I get exactly what you're saying. And to and I've experienced it. So I from from the standpoint of being a dad who's trying to do all these things. So but at the same time, it is something that sometimes is not understood that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're pushing ourselves. And yeah, I think the subtitle of the book. Is, so it's expansive intimacy, how tough guys defeat burnout and tough guys is in quotes. It's this, it's this thing, like, we, we're going to be a tough guy, right? We can take anything. We can just keep adding to the list. And, like, I, I got it. I can handle it. Hmm. You know, hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> Where have yeah. I heard that before? Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just deep social conditioning, too. Part of the research that I, I looked at was these unspoken rules for manhood. And, and I'm sure they're going to ring true for you. I mean, like we're probably all you know, roughly the same age and grew up in, the, in this, this society at the same time. And, you know, it's, it's men are in control. They need to be strong and successful. Mm-hmm. They can't reveal their emotions to anybody else. They can't ask for help. They just need to man up. Or talk about if they're injured. Yeah. So, so if we need business cards. I, I got it. I can handle it. I can do more. I can take on whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, a big definitely. part of burnout, burnout too, beyond just doing too much, um, and you brought it up earlier, is that feeling that you're not doing enough or you're not doing yeah. well enough. And I've never felt that feeling more than as a father. That did I do what I needed to do today for my kids? Did I do the right thing? Did I say the right thing? Was this the right way to handle this issue or this problem? Or did I did I teach them well enough how to take care of themselves if this happens or that happens? I mean, it's you know a lot of the stuff. Part of the job is is very simple. You know, here here's how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now you can make your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I don't have to kind of things. I mean, long term. But the realization that you that hits me, at least, and I think with most fathers and most parents, is you're looking at this tiny little life and suddenly you're completely responsible for it. And you realize about maybe three, four years in, I think we all realize that every single thing we do, every single thing we say, your child will remember forever. You know, and you have this moment of, wow, do I, yeah, right. And what, uh, what can I say? What can I do? So I think that really rolls into it too, with a lot of what we do and and adding into the, the idea, well, I have to be able to do everything. I have to be the biggest, the strongest, the fastest I have to win, you know? Yeah. So we're the big, the, the most challenging part of parenting is that social and emotional development. 
you know, it's like teaching a kid how to tie their shoes or make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like we can all pretty much handle that, but it's like when they get hurt, when they get afraid, when they're you know getting into social situations and don't know what to do when they're having anxiety, like how do we show up there? And, 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 you know, how do we learn that? Right. Like we weren't taught that probably right. growing up, right. We certainly were, didn't see it modeled by our, our parents. If, you know, my dad's a boomer, um, like none of that was available to me growing up. So it's all making it been making it up on the fly, looking at other resources around me, thankfully having a really great network of other dads who are kind of doing it at the same time so mm-hmm. that we can support each other. And, and it, you know, that really gets at one of the core principles of expansive intimacy is like availing ourselves of all these deep intimate bonds across every area of our life so that we don't burn out because we have resources when we need to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's great. That is great. So on to the, the, like, we kind of have a definition of what burnout is. And I think any, any parent hearing this will go, yeah, I feel that <laughs> You know, it's just, you eventually get it or you'll definitely get it. Um, but there's actually a lot of research that's been done and you brought it out in your book. Um, uh, it's several doctors that you, uh, um, uh, named in your book that have done a lot of work on burnout, both in defining it and then uh, studying exactly how it happens and, you know, how we get to this point. Um, And so from that point where we know what it is and we know it is actually a defined thing, where do we go? What do we do? Yeah. For me, one of the first things that I needed to do was to start to trace back what were my characteristics? What were my traits that became states? So there are, in a workplace setting, there are some very well studied and measured aspects of what creates burnout in an organizational level. It's workload, the amount of control we have over the work that we're doing, the amount of reward that we're receiving, the sense of community we have, whether there's a sense of fairness within our workplace, and do we share a set of common values with the, you know, the, the workplace, the organization that we're in? We can apply that at home as well, right? Mm-hmm. So starting to see like, where is the mismatch for me? Do I simply have too much work? And that's often what we go to in default. But there's actually a, a recent book out by Christina Maslach, who's one of the preeminent researchers in burnout. She's been studying it for 35 years and is kind of the... Um, you know, one of the very first people who, who, who put a stake on, in the ground about it. Um, we can have high workload, but if we have a high sense of control over the work that we're doing, it's not as harmful. But if I have a sense that I have autonomy, yeah. I can make decisions, I have the resources that I need to, to do a high volume of work, then I'm, it's going to buffer me against burnout. Like looking at those factors on the sort of the workplace side of it, whether, whether your workplace is a, a home where you're raising kids or whether you're in a, an office setting or something else, then it's also understanding on the personal side, like what are my markers that could be risk factors for me? So uh, low sense of self-worth is a burnout risk factor, as is perfectionism raising my hand for that as is people pleasing raising my hand for that yes (laughs) um you know not having good coping uh mechanisms for dealing with stress so we have these personal factors as well that we have to start to look at and then i 
you know, for me, burnout was getting into it was thousands of decisions over a period of years to get into it. I didn't see it coming. It's kind of like the frog in the pot of boiling water analogy, right? All of a sudden I realized I'm like, oh, I'm burned out. And then coming back out of it was slow as well. It was, if I was going in 1% at a time, I had to go out 1% at a time, sometimes half a percent at a time. Mm-hmm. And it was just starting to identify, okay, what are some of the things that I can start to do to address like, okay, if my coping skills aren't what they should be, or my perfectionism keeps getting me into, I've got to do more, starting to decode that. And in my case, I used a range of strategies. I took a big break from work. One of them was kind of a had to do it left for mental health leave for a month unpaid. And then later on, I, I had a different variation of that that was more controlled. Um, but I did therapy work. Um, I did some 12 step recovery work because I grew up in alcoholic families and I, mm-hmm. I did some work with Al-Anon to kind of reset some of those people pleasing and perfectionist behaviors. There's a lot of different ways we can do it. And you know, what I would love to be able to say is like, here's the answer, right? Here's the solution to burnout, but there isn't one because burnout's not a problem. It's a dilemma it requires a set of strategies, not a solution. We had a solution for burnout. We wouldn't see 40, 50% of people in surveys showing up as burned out. Yeah, it's so it's it's really looking at those multiple risk factors and then saying, okay, what's going on for me? What can I start to do to start claiming back some agency for myself and serenity for myself? Yeah, I, I've been in that place recently with taking on a full-time job. Uh, that That whole transition of... I'm not just this I'm not just the stay-at-home dad anymore like I'm a working dad who then comes home and also has to put on the other hat and I know yeah. that the conversation with me and my wife has has been a lot of like hey like I I'm just as tired as you. <laughs> um I've done laundry the past like four times in a row is it possible for you to like you know take on a load that kind of deal and uh we've had some great conversations with it and for her it's like the coming to the realization of like oh crap like yeah duh like I can't expect you to do the same workload at home as you were doing prior to having your job like we've got to split things up and balance it back out again you know that kind of deal and um that's you know after six years of me being in this role of like i got the house (laughs) uh it's now like uh we got the house and uh you know there are times that i have to remember to be um i need to show grace but at the same time be vocal uh, towards the situations because yeah like there are just times here in the past month that I'm like I am exhausted and like I don't want to feel this way like I shouldn't I, you know it's like I there's a way to get out of this I just need to use my words and uh mm-hmm. so that's that's been a big um that's been a big step for me to to just say those kind of like, instead of the, like, I got it. I'm like, I need you to get it. Like, (laughs) can you, can you get this kind of deal? And, um, that's, that's been a big, uh, that's been a big moving point for, for me and my wife and just, uh, the way that we're, you know, kind of rebalancing our family after six years of having a different, uh, setup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You've run that too. picture. It really is too. And, and part of it, and you, you actually talked about this in your book and I was kind of um, 
actually surprised to see it again. Didn't know exactly what I was getting into. And you, you know, we taught you to use the phrase like man up and tough guys and such. And I'm like, well, where are we going with this? But you actually have a section on those changing gender roles, which Mm -hmm. um, Brock and I are big examples of, you know, the non-stereotypical gender roles um, and how challenging that is and the reasons that it's so challenging and how it can obviously lead us into more issues. Um, the quote that I, I absolutely loved this one. Uh, cause I, I feel this one. It's, uh, you said the complex evolving and ultimately more balanced set of roles that men are playing between work and home requires a skill set that exposes a gap for many men, you know, just our inability. We've never been shown how to do this. We never saw anyone do this and all of that, what we call cognitive labor of being a parent, the scheduling and the getting the kids supplies and getting all the things done has always been the, the motherly role for, for many of us. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. It really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And and that's without, that's, that's just the logistical side of it, right? Like keeping Mm -hmm. track of like, okay, you know, there's an upcoming school vacation week or there's doctor's appointments to be made and things that have been so invisible for men, but that's not even getting to the, you know, your kid comes home from school and they're really upset because somebody said something mean to them on the playground and being there for them to to be their Mm -hmm. emotional support, right? That emotional labor and, and, it's it's hard for anybody, I'm sure. It's not like women got this playbook probably growing up, right? Yeah. Um, but maybe had a little bit more of that expectation, a little modeling of being a nurturer, and yet it's so rewarding, right? You guys know this just yeah. as well as I do. Like when you get to be that resource for your kid, and you can help them feel safe and secure again, and help them build more belief in themselves and new skills and resilience. It's just wonderful, but it is, it's, it's this kind of daunting gap when we first look at it and like, Mm -hmm. I I have no idea. What do I do here? Yeah. I, that, I will say that the one thing though, out of that, I am very um, happy and excited about is the fact that my kids are seeing a different version of a dad at home Mm -hmm. um, than even most of us grew up with. Um, And that, you know, it doesn't have to be a weird thing for, for dad to be home with the kids. And, uh, like even right. my, even my, my son on many occasion, he's 10 now, uh, will say from time to time, like, I want to be a stay at home dad when I get older. Oh, and, and I just, and I just love it because he sees the joy that I have in being home with them. And, yeah. um, you know, not every day is great. <laughs> <laughs> but but still like not every day is great in any kind of job so um mm-hmm. just the fact that he he gets to see that and my daughter gets to see you know um a you know a dad at home like that um you know if she you know she whoever she marries like that that would be something that okay it's not it's not odd if you know, one of the others at home, like that's, you know, we can, you know, we can make this work and it's, it's got balance and it doesn't have to be something that's out of the ordinary. It's just, this is what works for our family and having that, having that motto, um, you know, it, those are, I don't know, it's, it's interesting, like coming into being a stay at home dad, not having that as like the mindset, all I had really was like, I want my kids to know what a good dad is and that, uh, you know, I want them to, 
marry people that love them and that kind of stuff. But, um, just the idea of like, oh yeah, like I actually can be like a role model for them in a fashion of showing good parenting. Yeah. I never saw a stay at home dad as one of the options of the career fair when I was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I, when my wife, we decided we were going to have a, a parent stay home and I was so happy and we were sitting out on the front porch and we only had two kids at the time and all that. And we were taking a moment after they'd all gone to sleep to talk about where we were going and how many kids we wanted to have. And, and we decided, yeah, we want somebody to be at home, you know, so that it's us taking care of them. And so when they get off the bus, the houses, the lights are on and there's food cooking and music playing and all those things that go along with that. Um, and I, I, I said, you know, my love, I am just so touched that you would sacrifice your career <laughs> for our family. And she slides my scotch to me and she says, not me. You know? <laughs> like, whoa, 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 hang on now. No, no, no. Men don't do this. I don't know if you were aware, but, and again, the generation, I mean, I am Gen X, but I'm old Gen X, right? Um, and it's it's really been an eye-opening experience. Now, I am, I have to, I've said this before this is the perfect job for me Uh, being a dad and being a full-time dad and handling all the stuff that goes with it has been, I mean, it couldn't have been a better fit. And my wife, while a wonderful mother is absolutely better on the business and finance and budget end of things. And so our, for our family, I mean, if it had been the other way around, I'm sure she could have handled this job, but we'd have been bankrupt in like a, a month or a year. I don't know. And we would have been, we would definitely never have gotten out of, uh, got out of Georgia. So, but it, it's really interesting that when we choose that and how it changes us and, you know, the things we have to do for our kids and, and um, definitely how easy it is to burn out. Now the book is expansive intimacy. And I'd like to see if, if you could to kind of draw the line between this feeling that a lot of us have and how intimacy is going to affect that because what intimacy is to a lot of people, of course, and you say this in your book, that it is not, it's, let me see if I can say it right. Intimacy is intimacy. Isn't sex. So so understand. (laughs) So, you know, but if we could uh, get you to kind of work through that a little bit, because I think it's a really good explanation that helps us, that would help us out. Yeah. Intimacy gets, channeled into this really narrow definition in our culture and it's mm-hmm. wink wink nudge nudge did you get intimate right yeah. and yeah intimacy is sex right sexual intimacy is one of the, the 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 most delicious flavors of intimacy and it's it's special it, it has qualities that no other form has and there are several other forms of intimacy there's emotional intimacy and there's a great story in chapter eight about this couple that i interviewed who had almost lost their marriage multiple times. And, and what they ended up realizing through a video series that I had, I had posted a couple of years ago that they didn't have any emotional intimacy in their relationship and they never had, they had never really gotten into that deep inner world with each other in ways that helped them see what their experiences of the world were. And when they clicked that into place, they're just in such a fantastic place now, right? So there, there's a range. So there's there's emotional intimacy. There's physical intimacy, which is not the same as sexual intimacy. You know, mm-hmm. Having your kids sit in your lap, read a book, right? How much more intimate does it get than that, right? That's an amazing form of physical intimacy. There's intellectual intimacy. We're kind of having that right now. Like we're getting to know each other, mm-hmm. creating a little bit of a connection as we're talking from our heads. 
their spiritual intimacy. For me, um, I do improv comedy. And next Saturday, this coming Saturday, I'll be on stage. There'll be a theater full of about 60 people. Me and my teammates up there. We've all come to this one place with one purpose in mind, which is to laugh, to raise our spirits, the spiritual experience, right? So it doesn't have to be a church or a synagogue or a mosque. Mm-hmm. How do we find spirit and how do we share that with other people? So we have this rich range of intimacies that we can explore with people. And because of that, we can explore intimacy with everybody, with a kid, with friends, with a group of strangers, with our coworkers. And when we can do that, we can now reveal our real selves in a lot of different ways, including like, this feels like too much right now. Could you just take on a load of laundry? Right. right. (laughs) Because I'm feeling overwhelmed and we have this reciprocal way of being able to flow back and forth with each other because we've opened up intimacy. Yeah, That's really the the gist of expansive intimacy. And, And the last thing I'll say on it is that, you know, I was saying before, burnout is a dilemma, not a problem. It's this like multi-headed monster mm-hmm. and we need a set of strategies. Well, expansive intimacy is a set of strategies because I can go and I can talk to my my men's group on Mondays and get a whole different set of needs met than I get when I'm with my partner or when I'm having a conversation with my kid at college or when I'm talking to my ex-wife, right? We can, we can meet the challenge of burnout and all of its tentacles with something like intimacy, if we use it expansively. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's great. Yeah. No, I, I want to segue a little bit. Cause you talked about, you know, your child being in your lap and you're reading to him. Cause um, um, I just want to say uh, before we start, before I say this, I may cry. I cried when I read it and I may cry again. Um, but you, uh, you told Nico's story and yeah. um I'd like you to tell that. I mean, I could, I could, but it's your story to tell, obviously, because you experienced about his dad mm. and that, yeah, and what happened in that situation. Yeah, my friend Nico is one of the deepest souls that I've I've ever met, and uh, he told me this story. I, I was interviewing him for the book, and he was sharing with me uh, a big life moment that he was having. He had reached a, a an apex in a career and he felt like it was time to make this big change. And he was really unsettled and uncertain. And he called up his dad to say, Hey, I think I'm going to change this job. I'm going to move across country back, back to Canada. And his dad says, hold on, I'm going to come and visit you. And his dad came and flew out and they're talking over a period of days. And this one night after an event, they came back to their, their house and his dad's sitting on the couch and Nico sitting in the chair and his wife's across from him. And, and he just gets this urge. And this is, so Nico is, um, I think in his thirties in this story and he gets this urge to say like, I just don't want to be the one who has to make all the decisions. Like this was the pressure he was feeling was I have to figure it out. And I, I just want to be a boy again was the sensation that he had in that moment. And what he did was he got up silently, went over to the couch and laid his head down on his dad's lap. And all his dad did was just stroke his head and just let him be. And, you know, tears were flowing. It's just such a powerful story that shows that we can let down our guard as men. And especially we can do it with other men. We can do it with our dads. We can do it with our buddies. We, you know, finding those safe places to do it has this really profound power. And um, 
and it's it's not something that we talk about enough. How can we support each other as men in in ways that are intimate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that story. Beautiful wow. story. I love it. Yeah. I mean, just the thought. And I lost my father recently. And mm-hmm. having oh, during while well, I was reading it and just thinking about um my dad and I didn't have that kind of relationship. We didn't yeah. we never did, you know. But I know I've got that relationship with my kids. Mm-hmm. And that's really, yeah. I think as fathers, as parents, what we aspire to is to be better than our parents and our children to be better than us. And the ability to have that intimacy and um, to, to use the word without it making you think of, 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 you know, like you said, getting intimate and all of the, the naughty thoughts that might come with it. The reality of what it is, is just having really no barriers between you and this other person. And, you know, with your children, why would you have barriers like that? You know, why would right. you hold your your child at arm's length and say, no, 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 you you don't need those emotions. I don't need to hear that. And you don't need to do it. <laughs> and and the, all of the, the you need to be stronger, rub some dirt in it or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. But the reality of it is that as an adult still, we we need that contact. We need that community. We need that, you know, the expansive in, intimacy is the name of your book. Is. So. Yeah, the other part of that story with Nico is I think I start off the story by saying that sometimes we have to go first. And Nico went first. Right? He made the move towards to say, I want intimacy here. He didn't he didn't even have to use words, which was beautiful and just the power of it. But I think that's it. Like um, the, the last chapter of the book talks about, yeah, so how do we do this? And it's simply take a risk. (laughs) If I had to boil it down to three words, take a risk, get out there and say to the person that you want to say it to, here's what I, what I'm feeling. Here's what I want. Here's what I would like for us to be exchanging. Cause when we do that, people are waiting for it. A lot of times we all are wired for connection. We all have that same need. We're not always all ready at the same time. When somebody goes first, it creates the momentum and it says, okay, here, here we go. Even if it doesn't happen in that very moment, at least now that person understands the intention It may happen later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's, you know, how do we take that risk to put ourselves out there to say, I want something deeper. I want some more meaning. Yeah. And to be able to say it to your friends, you know, especially, mm-hmm. you know, as men to say it to your, I mean, Brock and I talk about it all the time that we really feel like every man needs a men's group and a mentor. Yeah. And the mentor side of it is a lot of times someone that's your own age or even younger, someone that's in that situation that you can let your guard down, that you can be vulnerable or even just silly, you know, or just, just a little weird. And they're, they're like, yeah, okay. You know, that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm completely okay with this because they know that that's reciprocal. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Every every guy needs a men men's group and a mentor. Mm-hmm. It's such a great model, right? I have both of those things in my life, and I've had them for years. And yeah, and it's in such such stark contrast to the isolated experience that I had with of my burnout years and and leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it, I mean, you got so many men out there that are very much like a lone wolf type situation. We've talked about that mm-hmm. in the past too, and. Yeah, um, pushing, pushing people to find mentors, find find a, a a common community group that they can get involved in is just it's it's so important. 
because uh, we're not meant to go <laughs> we're not meant to go live this life as you know by ourselves like that's that's not you know that's just well, not it every lone wolf dies well exactly i mean they're they're a pack hunter they're they I mean they they need the other members of the pack to do the things they do to survive right you know yeah. one wolf is not going to take down a moose but a pack sure right you know it reminds me of the uh, moose, african but... proverb as well um i think it's an african proverb uh, if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together mm. nice i think we're in it for the long haul right I mean, nice you know so yes. how do we how do we do that we, we, yeah. we need togetherness Definitely. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to touch on uh, something that Danny sent me in this email, which basically is his notes of reading the book. One of the things that really sort of stuck out and uh, hit me was that he put in here the activities that uh, used to fuel uh, their liveliness have been relegated to faded to faded memories. And uh, I know that <laughs> I know that there are times where I think about like some of the things that I used to do before I was married, before I was a dad, um, you know, just all these different things. And uh, sometimes I'm like, I wrestle with like, how should I feel about that? What should I do? What should I do about that? I like, I know that it, in a lot of occasions, it's as simple as just telling my wife, like, Hey, like, I really want to go do this. And she's gonna, she'll grant it. But at the same time, like, there's a big part of me that has this like feeling of like guilt for asking it like hey like i really want to go uh ride my go on a bike ride like i do i do i used to do long distance riding um you know it's mm -hmm. like but i know it takes a lot of time <laughs> you know sure. uh, mm -hmm. so it's like you know hey i, I want to get out of the house for four hours and just go ride my bike or something like that um or uh hey i really want to um go hang out in the woods with with a buddy of mine who's big into hunting and uh you know hone in on my like bow skills or something along those lines but again like there's a guilt to it and uh i i say all this with the fact that she's just off to my right here i don't know if she's actually listening or not because she also does she she's <laughs> listening yeah but uh it, but it's all good um but at the same time too like it's just one of those things where it's like this is to me this hits really close to home because that is the case and i know that's the case for a lot of guys um a lot of the dads in our groups constantly are talking about the fact that like I used to do this. I used to do that. I don't feel like I can ask my partner to like give me the time to go and and do these things. And the one thing that Danny and I have always said too is that you have to be vocal. You have to be willing to step out there and say that and and make mm -hmm. it known mm -hmm. that you you need these things. Like these are important to to your livelihood and and to your um you know not getting burnt out <laughs> on mm -hmm. on everything else going on. But um I was curious like that that statement itself um how how did that how's that affect how did that affect you that that got brought into the book yeah for me um danny you were saying how when it was time to decide wh which parent was going to stay home with the kids I, I had that same moment but we just fell that like right into the traditional pattern of mm -hmm. she's going to stay at home i'm going to you know go off to work and some of that was based on where we were career-wise and earning potential. But really, if we had looked at skill set, I wanted to be there probably as at least as much, if not more than her. And I, I really enjoyed young kids where it was a little challenging for her. Um, she loves them, you know, amazingly, but early childhood was tough for her as a mom. Yeah. And, and so 
just as kind of a frame for that. So I, I, I worked and then I came home and I was like, I got to be with my kids. And so all the things that I used to do, skiing, playing in a rock band, playing basketball, even just getting out with my buddies for a beer every once in a while, that stuff started to fade away. And eventually it was like, it was just so out of reach. And I think what that did is it confined me into this, this constricted version of myself that was less attractive, less energetic, resentful, not very pretty scene. And knowing what I know now, what I would have liked to have done differently would be to set out some agreements of how do we as a couple and as a family honor all the different needs that we have. And it's not going to look exactly like we want it to. I'm not going to get to play every Thursday night with my buddies in a garage band like I used to, mm-hmm. but can I get together once a month or every couple months on a Saturday for a few hours? Um, you know, how do we, how do we factor that into the mix along with the things that she wants to do and along with the time that we want to have with kids and one-on-one or with everybody. And, you know, and I think um, just setting agreements, whether it's as a couple or as a family um, and they might be both of those is a skill set that I've learned over the years. My my new life partner is a, a couples counselor. It's really wonderful to to be in yeah. a relationship with somebody who's got that experience. Um, and as a coach who coaches men around things that touch on things like intimacy, I've you know I've just really had to learn like, oh, there's a lot of other tools out there that I didn't know existed that had I known them, I think I could have prevented um, burnout from being an issue. I might still be in my my first marriage had that, um, that I had some yeah. of that awareness and, and, you know, our needs are important. We have to get recharged because we're going to come back and do great work with our kids, with our professional jobs. We need to fill the cup and that might be getting out into the woods or taking a long bike ride or playing in a rock band or whatever it is that delights you up. Self-care is best care. Yeah. And we just become more interesting and more attractive and more energetic people when we feed ourselves that way. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, like one thing that is helping me kind of fill my cup is the work that I got involved in with uh, being uh, being able to get hired in uh, at the brewery that I work at because I enjoy being around lively people and setting up events and stuff and being able to, you know, kind of just control all of that. And it's, you know, taking a lot of the stuff that I've learned over the past few years being a part of this organization and being able to turn it into a job that I, I, I truly enjoy. Like I'm not, I'm not breaking my back like I used to in my previous jobs. Um, but I, I really am getting to show off skills and stuff like that. And so, um, I'm sure at some point, and I've been trying, I keep mindful of the fact I'm like, at some point I'm going to probably, there's going to be something that's going to cause like to show some burnout in some way. And it's like, okay, what do I got to do in that situation? So I'm definitely trying to plan ahead for it. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the same time too, like just making sure to take breaks and not, not get too, uh, too overly involved in different, different ways and just that kind of thing. And I think that that's it overextended. Yeah. Don't overextend. Just, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, what, one of those things for me, one of those things for me to help with that though, was, like when I was being interviewed for that job, they were like, what do you, what do you need for this job? And I was like, I need a business cell phone and I need a business laptop. I was like, because I do a lot of stuff on my phone and on my laptop 
and I need to disconnect. Like I can't have it all on the same one because I'll feel like I've never have the ability to unplug uh, from right. it. And so they were really good about it. Like they actually got, got me those things. And it's really, I feel like helped a lot because I can set them off to the side and not even worry about them. And, uh, you know, it's like, all right, I'm home. I got everything to do. I can set it down, leave it, um, and concentrate on the things that I need to do and not be like, Oh, if I don't see this email or this, whatever, like, Oh, the world will end. And it's like, Nope, but there's another day tomorrow <laughs> type of thing. I'm yeah. so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. Danny. I have to say Brock, I want to underscore something because like that story, I, I was given like the academic, um, breakdown of burnout factors in the workplace. And you just in that story touched on a bunch of them. You talked about keeping an eye on your workload, right? That's one of the factors. You talked about like you asked for control. I need to have separate devices. I need to have some autonomy where I can like firewall off that workload from my my home. You talked about there's this great group of people that you get to work with. So you have community there. And it sounds like you're really honoring some values of yours that your your employer is also recognized. So that's like four out of those six <laughs> that you named in that little story, right? So just to bring it home into like every day is like, we know what it feels like to be in a sustainable work setting. We also know what it feels like to be in one that's not sustainable. Starting to look at those factors and just start to tag them for yourself of like, all right, so what is it about my workload? Do I have enough control? Am I getting enough reward? And reward isn't just money. It's also like the praise and recognition that we crave. Um, you know, going through those factors and seeing like, all right, how is this going for me? Where can I start to make adjustments along with my colleagues, my employer as needed? Because um, it is, it's, it, it shows up in everyday stories. It's right. you know, how do we then dissect it and say, how do I make it better? Well, and I also too, like when I'm at work, like it's not even so much all like, oh, what do I got to do to make my feel self feel better? But also like I work with a lot of people because I'm an event coordinator. So like I want to make sure that the staff that I'm working with, that they feel appreciated. Like I want to make sure that they feel heard and, mm -hmm. um, you know, that they, that they don't, see me as this overlord but as somebody who is looking out for their their best and you know working together to to make our team the best in that kind of way and so mm -hmm. that's that's the other thing for me that i get out of it is like if i have employees or like they're not even my employees honestly like they're just my coworkers. but it's like if my coworkers are happy and like you know enjoying coming into work and they like talking to me and and just being around me like that's a, that's a big plus for me coming, going to the work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's great. I, it's great. I could get all geeky on some corporate stuff about management practices that prevent burnout because that's, that's in there too. But it's like, you know, are we in, in a, if we have a role where we have a higher level of responsibility and even in a moment, are we creating a place to make people feel that like they're seen and that they're valued? That's one of the best things that buffers that that feeling of burnout is when we have people who are taking care of us at work. Yeah, no, definitely. It's fantastic. Jim, I got to tell you, I really hope that like everybody in our network <laughs> gets your book. It's, mm -hmm. it's really just hits home for me in so many ways about the situation that we're in. And again, the people that I've talked to in a lot of different uh, avenues and venues that are at home parents. And never would have thought burnout was the word 
that I needed to be using, honestly, but it really is. And it has been ever since I read your book. So, um, so before we, cause we're about out of time, tell us where we can get in touch with you and uh, your website and then where we can get the book. Yeah. The, the website is the best place for all of those things. It's the centered and you can find links for the book. Um, my LinkedIn profile is on there. Uh, if you look up centered coach on LinkedIn, you'll also find me there. Those are kind of the two places I hang out digitally is website and LinkedIn. And, um, and yeah, thanks for, um, you know, thanks for the conversation. It's great to talk to some other dads who are out there, you know, really, you know, trying to, trying to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, uh, until next time, everybody have a great, uh, great week. We'll talk to you again soon. Good night, everybody. I'm a dad. That's what I do.